I think the best is listening to employees about their experience, making changes and modifications and updates based off of that. And at the same time, holding them accountable for achieving whatever the goals and metrics of success are that we've mutually defined. Welcome to Modern Business Operations, where we talk with leaders about how ops is adapting to our modern world. Hello, everyone. Welcome to another episode of Modern Business Operations. Today, I have the pleasure of having Gianna, the Chief Human Resource Officer at Exobium. Thank you for joining me. Yeah, thanks, Aki. I'm super excited to be here. It's been a crazy, crazy time for HR on so many levels in the last few years. So maybe before we kind of dive in, maybe tell us a little bit about you, how you got to be a Chief Human Resource Officer, and maybe a little bit about the company too. Yeah. So I started my career here in Silicon Valley, where I live and work now. I've been in the HR people space for almost 20 years, typically for tech companies, global companies. And I think about what I do. And honestly, I wouldn't do anything else if I could have my pick of any role, any industry, any occupation. What interests me a lot about this field is we get to play between the human aspects of work and also some of that more business-oriented ROI bottom line. And that intersectionality is just really, really fun and really interesting. And to answer your last question around, so what do I do? As CHRO of Exabeam, I lead our HR business partner function, but there's also other functions too, like our facilities and learning development, diversity, total rewards, talent. So there's some other people-oriented functions. And we're a global leading cybersecurity firm. Awesome. Well, you kind of like hit the nail in the head right up front there, right? The connection or the tissue that connects between the human resources, capital, talent, and how does it drive the business? And honestly, there's so much things we can unpack there, starting from everything that happened in the last few years with COVID and then remote work. And then bubble, especially in the tech industry, that was just crazy talent market. And then all the way back to a slowdown, not to mention the AI craziness that is coming in and kind of redefining what is our job as people and kind of where to start. So a lot of things we can touch to. Maybe we go back to the sort of like the core of it. From your perspective, what is the most important thing from a talent and from human capital management that people should be thinking about right now? Yeah. One of the things I think about first and foremost is we've been through a lot the last three years. So in the last three years, we've gone through not only a global pandemic that made the world literally pause in its tracks, but we've also, at least in the U.S. especially, gone through a racial reckoning process. There's been political upheaval in our world right now. There's geopolitical instability. We live at a time when our politics are very, very divisive and polarizing. And so I think for leaders to take a minute to just pause and realize, wow, we as human beings have undergone a ton of change and destabilization in the last several years. Now we're 
through, I hope, the worst of the pandemic and many of us are starting to reemerge, recenter, find our new normal. And what I think is exciting about this time is during the pandemic, there were a lot of advances in technology, in AI, as you're talking about, in predictive analytics, in a lot of those fields. And as we go back into the world, I think you're seeing HR professionals and business leaders leverage a lot of that incredible technology and insight. I see the world of predictive analytics being a really, really hot one right now. We've got Gen Zers entering the workforce in droves, and they are changing fundamentally the way that work happens. So all of this change, I personally find really exciting, but I also think it's vastly important that we have a very empathetic and open ear as we work with our employees. I even forgot about the political device, right? There's just more and more things in the Gen Z point is really solid. So how do you kind of go about it? You know, I feel you know, being a startup founder and CEO, there was definitely a very clear shift of focus, I, maybe I should say, you know, mm-hmm. the last pre-pandemic even, but definitely heightened in the pandemic of talent first mentality. How do you make sure you retain talent? How do you make sure you get the best people and like the best culture and the best fundamentals, but then with the bubble and access, it kind of went maybe to the extreme. And that's not new, but I felt like it was in the extreme on the benefits or perks, even fundamentals, health benefits, which are just critical being a human being. And then, you know, when the economy went back down, so like awakening, oh, wait a second, that's not sustainable or effective. I'm a parent. And so as a parent, you want to wrap your kid with the best of stuff, but that's actually a lot of times not what's going to make them successful. You know, I'm always intrigued with that part. And so, you know, talked about empathy. Maybe we can double kick into how do you guys maybe work through that or things you've seen to go about that? I have to just digress for one quick second when you're talking about being a parent. I'm also a parent. And my 10-year-old, very much there are times where I literally want to get bubble wrap and wrap her up to protect her from just the world at times. Then my higher self gets the best of me, which is good. And I pause and I say, okay, Gianna, it's actually not a good long-term sustainable solution to wrap one's child in bubble wrap. You want them to be able to experience and learn and grow. You know, I think with empathy, what's effective, I believe, is having a very humble, so humility-focused approach and saying, okay, I don't know everything. I don't know what every employee's experience is like both in life, but also at our workplace. So what I first want to do is just pause and listen. I want to try to understand what's important to you, what matters, what's going to improve the employee journey here, and then really listening for meaning and understanding and envisioning as best one can what the experience is like for another person. I think when we can pause and do that, that is the birthplace of empathy. Then after that, yes, we can create programs and all kinds of different structures and frameworks and KPIs and, you know, all of the other business elements here. But it starts by pausing and really understanding what's on the minds of our workforce, our employees, what's going to enrich their experience here, which I would then say will enable them to stay with the company longer, be more productive, be more innovative when we have that empathy approach. I completely agree. And so when you kind of bring this back to that tissue between the employee and people focus and with like business ROI and stuff, 
So you lead with empathy. It's very practical, kind of like understanding what is their experience, what is their priorities, where they're coming from. How do you bring this then to get more business results or, you know, staying longer with the company? But again, not from a bubble wrap perspective, like I'll just give you the chocolate and then you're going to like me. Yeah. But instead, like, you know, building that trust. Yeah. So I'll give you some real world examples of what leading with empathy might look like. Many organizations will do annual engagement surveys or employee surveys, and that is a formulaic approach to aggregate mass listening, if you will. That's good as a baby step to just get a survey of the landscape. And let's say for a minute, when we look at the overall ENPS or Employee Net Promoter Score, if we see that in certain pockets of the organization, there's a dip or there are teams or groups that are significantly below whatever the overall company average is, I think that's an opportunity right there for listening and for increased empathy. And I'll I'll get to what that means in just a second. But I also want to highlight that in this approach, it's also useful to see where the outliers of extreme joy and happiness in the organization as well, because that also is an opportunity for increased listening and empathy. So when we look at that data, then I think we as business leaders are able to sit down in either focus group types of situations. It could be one-on-one, there could be anonymous ways of listening, but I think it's understanding if we were, I'm using some makeup information here, If we were to look at our ENPS and deduce that our underrepresented minorities in our EMEA region were significantly less engaged and less happy than the overall workforce, then we might sit down with some of those underrepresented groups and say, tell us about your experience here. Help me understand what it's like to be you at our company. And so when we adopt that approach and we start to listen without fear of shame or retaliation or anything like that, we can start to paint a picture around what programmatic resources we might offer that would increase and enhance their experience. And similarly, if we were to ask our employees about why are they so happy, wherever those NPS scores are higher than the norm, we might understand better things that are happening there that we could replicate across the company. And by having that approach, we here at Exabeam have created a number of employee resource groups, so ERGs, which have been really fabulous at creating community and being safe spaces where our employees can go and just share and brainstorm and feel like they're not alone as they deal with mental health issues or whatever it might be. It could be what it's like to be certain types of minorities that have acts of violence committed against them or whatever it is. But that's been really powerful. And I share that as a sole example of what the pathetic approach could look like and what the result could be. How big is the company? We are about 700 people globally. Okay. How much of it do you feel like it makes total sense and almost obvious in retrospect when you describe it that way and where there's demographic differences, especially when you're a global team, different cultures, different challenges, different externalities that impacting their life and therefore going to impact their time at work and therefore can impact the company. And so that makes sense. How much of this can be applied departmental or like team level, right? Absolutely, it can be. What's really exciting about this moment in HR, but in business, is we've got such fabulous technology that we're able to look at data and people analytics through multiple different lenses. So you're right, the demographic one is an example. 
We could also look at this through the lens of departments. We could go a couple steps further and look at this through the lens of, okay, which talent sources for recruitment end up being ultimately those who stay with the company longer or are promoted faster. You can slice and dice data in so many really cool and interesting ways now because we have so many awesome tools that frankly, we didn't have even five years ago. This episode is brought to you by Tonkin. Tonkin is the operating system for business operations, providing businesses with the building blocks to orchestrate any process with no code or change management required. Contact us at Tonkin.com to learn how you can build complex processes fast. And if you're interested in staying up to date on all things business operations, join the AdaptiveOps community at operations.community. Yeah, this space has boomed like none other, and it's very exciting. When I think about HR sometimes, not from a personal level, obviously, as someone that works in companies and get help from HR, so like the responsibility of the human resources, right? This company has multiple different resources. The biggest one, and still the most important one, is the human aspect of it. I think what's interesting in the last few years is not as much that it happened, but how fast and back-to-back those changes happened from where it's very, very, very supportive. And again, empathy was like number one. Honestly, almost like the only thing you should do is just make sure that you're there for them and supporting of them. Mm -hmm. As a CEO too, the expectations were almost like, make sure you kind of like represent all the groups, making Mm -hmm. sure everyone has a voice making Mm -hmm. sure there's diversity and everything. And all of the things are still important. But I think what happened in the last year, as we human used to, we like to live in extremes. Every time like things become super extreme one side, then it kind of flips to the other side. The balance is always where things are in peace. But some people might look at the headlines with layoffs and, you know, reduction and force and almost feel like what's going on. Like a second ago, especially in tech, Tech was like the most progressive, mm-hmm. most like human-centric, remote work, work as much as you want. People even started talking about four days, weeks, and then moved overnight to a place where, wait a second, you're bleeding money, you're being inefficient completely, performance is very low. And so as an industry, I'm talking about as a whole, when you're bloated, you have too many, you spend too much money, you have too many resources. So to me, again, going through that experience, the word human resource was only human mm-hmm. at first. We didn't think about it as resources, culturally, I mean. Mm-hmm. And it moved to trying to avoid the fact that it's human and only think about it as a resource. And of mm-hmm. course, the reality needs to be in the middle. So I guess as the wind died down a little bit, what is the right way to kind of like lead with empathy, but be using your words, ROI-driven, again, going back to being a parent, manage the thing. So I'm just curious... How do you align those focus groups with company initiatives or OKR? Those things, to me personally, I know, is always a struggle of how you kind of like align those things together. 
Yeah. I think you hit it on the head when you mentioned that it's almost like there's this focus and emphasis here and we over rotate in that direction. And then we almost go off kilter. So then let's over correct and over rotate in the other direction. And it's like, oh my goodness, either extreme is not ideal. What I go back to is thinking about, yes, empathy and having a kind, open, psychologically safe approach is important. However, I would couple that and say, Holding people accountable is equally important. Great leadership starts with empathy. That said, we can't be empathetic to a fault that we then are going around listening all the time, not doing anything and just not holding people accountable. Like that is also not a good outcome. I think the best is listening to employees about their experience, making changes and modifications and updates based off of that. And at the same time, holding them accountable for achieving whatever the goals and metrics of success are that we've mutually defined. And I would say that almost every single time when someone is not performing well, I believe that there's either a change in the role that's needed or it's just not the right environment anymore for that individual. I fundamentally believe that humans are good and that humans want to do great work. And so I think when we have someone who's not performing well, then we have an obligation to hold them accountable, but also to communicate openly. And if it's not working, to create a safe space and environment where we kindly help them find their next opportunity is what I think of it as. I truly mean that in a shame-free, guiltless, really honoring way. And there should be no remorse or shame in situations where a workplace might not be right for someone anymore. That's okay. That There's nothing wrong with that if we do this in a, a very open and honest way. Yeah, essentially, there's no good or bad. There's just good or bad fit. There's a good fit or a bad fit. And I think that's where if we have environments where we as businesses and as business leaders are clear about who we are, what we value, how we engage and work with one another. We then are also listening to our employees about their experiences and modifying and tweaking the environment and ways of working, but then also being clear with employees about our business goals and the way that we want them to either increase sales or drive product delivery dates and miles, like whatever it might be. And then, yeah, if someone isn't performing, then we're honest about that and open and give that person a chance to either evolve their current role. I've even offered true statement to help some of my team members find their next opportunity, right? Like it's it's that much of an okay thing. Like we should be at places where we want to be, where we're thriving and doing good stuff. Yeah, that makes sense. So we, you mentioned once you lead with empathy, you then can go into building the frameworks and processes. And in this podcast, we talk a lot about people first processes and processes that are optimized for extracting a lot from people as sort of like the center of operation. But if you can share some examples of best practices that you've seen, we already mentioned the group. Yeah, employee resource groups. Yeah, exactly. What other processes or best practices you've kind of seen that works real well during this time? Oh, the first thing that comes to mind is having various avenues for listening. So in other words, our workforce is diverse and people may not always feel comfortable raising their hand or talking out loud or whether this is in person or in a Zoom conversation. So there are technology and tools out there that enable listening in a mass scale that also protects anonymity. As an example, Slido is a tool that we use here at Exabeam and it allows us in our monthly all hands types of meetings for people to type questions anonymously into an online 
place. And then other employees can upvote the questions that they would like. Um, they can also add their questions or whatnot. So that's an example of an avenue that we've received a lot of really positive feedback around because it enables massive listening at scale. I think also from a process standpoint, being as open and transparent as we can be about various processes we have going on. So as an example, being clear with employees about the merit process. How does that happen? What's the overall budget? What are eligibility rules and guidelines around that? Right now in the HR people space, we have a lot of new laws and legislation around pay transparency. There's a lot of reporting that we have to do. And I think this is an opportunity to be transparent and to build trust with employees, to share with them, here are the pay bands that we have. Here's how we derive these. And here's where you fall in that band. And more importantly, here's why. And here's what we can do if pay is of interest. And most people would probably say that pay was something that they were interested in increasing. We can have open conversations about development and moving up in the pay bands and the pay ladders. So these are some of the off the cuff, like top of mind things. I can delve further into performance reviews, career ladder. I can go any direction. I like both of them. I always had a hard time with anonymity surveys unless there's enough statistical significance because otherwise it's less actionable. So I like the idea of those questions that people are voting because the action of this feedback is, here's a question that we will talk about in the audience. Sometimes anonymity surveys, it kind of goes to the entire company or whatever, and then people just write a bunch of stuff. Really hard to take action on them. You can kind of attribute to even what demographic or what team or you know what area. So we kind of talked about that, but on the other point you made with the transparency, I think there's a really interesting trend right now that I've been seeing, kind of curious to hear your thought on, that I find personally refreshing, if you will. And again, I'm kind of leech on back to the parenting example. So like, stop treating your employees as kids, so like treat them like adults. Really, the result is transparency. This is, like you said, the salary bands, but like, this is also why. This is how much we burn money. This is how much money we make. This is how much we need to spend on certain things. As part of us in this ride, we care about your career. You care about the company's success. We're in it together. Just like with kids a lot of times, not all ages and not all times, obviously, but in many cases, bring the kid along to the decision of like understanding the situation a lot. And so I think about it from like a friend's principle, this is a situation it's very different than basically just saying no or just mm-hmm. saying you can't have that or you can only have that then or, you know, worst case scenario, just give it to them without yeah. any explanation. So, yeah. you know, probably two parts question is like, A, have you seen that or in, you know, hearing that or B, what's your thoughts or takes about like that kind of approach? So I love being transparent and communicative and open. I think you're exactly right, though, that there are times where that transparency and openness might not be the outcome that somebody wants, right? Like it might be information that doesn't make them feel good and it's not what they want to hear. I do think, though, it's important for us as leaders to lead with authenticity and to share very openly to the extent that it's appropriate what we can about whether it's the financials or our goals or whatever that might mean. What I have found is in these conversations, to the extent that we can 
have people feel heard, even if they don't like the outcome or if they don't like the final result, if they know that their voice was heard and they were listened to, and then we proceed to explain whatever the decision is and why, I've found that that usually yields a good outcome because the employees on the other end, they're also intelligent humans. And as long as I know that they heard me and maybe they're not doing something about that right now, or maybe they're not able to right now, that goes a long way toward building trust with employees. Absolutely. What is a very strong advice you got somewhere along your career where you really feel like it's worth paying forward? What's wonderful about this question is I've been fortunate to have so many incredible mentors and people who've shared their thoughts with me. So in thinking about this, I had to pause and say, well, I have so many ideas and quotes and things. But the one that resonated the most is around fear and how conquering our fears is important. And the quote goes something like, fear of failure killed more dreams than failure ever will. And I think a lot of times we're afraid to engage or raise our hand or say what we really think. And what I would encourage folks to do is advocate for yourself and your beliefs and your values. Obviously do that in a kind way, but be clear and it's okay to be yourself and to be bold. That I'd say has served me well in my career. It's been scary at times. Absolutely. It's still scary today, especially when my thoughts are in the minority of opinions out there sometimes, or if I want to go in this direction and everyone in the room wants to go in that direction. However, again, I go back to if I say nothing, well, then not that it's a win-lose paradigm, but if I say nothing, then we're definitely going to go in this direction. I owe it to myself and to my colleagues to say what I truly believe and think. Absolutely. I love it. Well, thank you so much. If people want to reach out, talk more, get advice or share thoughts, is it Twitter? Is it LinkedIn? So Gianna Driver on LinkedIn is probably the best way to reach me. I'm not super savvy on other platforms. So LinkedIn is probably the best one to reach out. Awesome. Well, Gianna, thank you so much. That was great topics, great tips. I appreciate the time. Yeah. Thank you so much. It was great to be here. I hope you enjoyed this episode of Modern Business Operations. You can see the show notes and all of the resources mentioned in today's episode at tonkin.com slash mbopod. Thank you for listening and be sure to subscribe for updates on future episodes. 